Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over a hundred episodes and counting. And our plan... Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. On a cloudy Friday evening, my co-producer Jordan and I decided to take a trip down to the racetracks. How long we got till this one starts? Five minutes? All right. Let's go make bets. Yeah. The Woodbine Racetrack sits at the outskirts of Toronto, just next to the airport. And as planes flew overhead, Jordan and I tried to figure out how to place a few bets. Like, what do, what do even these numbers mean? 107, maybe the weight? No, horses weigh way more than that. Are these the people that own it? And then these are like the people that. I imagine jockeys, these must be jockeys, and right? And these are maybe the people yeah. that own it? Right? right? Where does and then it tell those me must be the jockeys. It's a good horse or not? I don't, I don't. Unfortunately, neither of us know much about horses, or gambling, or really much of anything to do with the equestrian arts, so we were at a bit of a loss. Instead, we did what any reasonable person would do. I think we're going to have to go on name. Yeah. I like Gwendolyn H. Gwendolyn That's H. Good... That's a very good horse name. Dolly's... Hush Buffy is terrible. <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> if you've never played the ponies, picture your high school track. Woodbine's track is about four times bigger. It's a massive stretch of turf and dirt wrapped around a pond and a jumbotron. There's stadium-style seating on one side and an indoor area upstairs where mostly male patrons are hanging around TV screens. So... We head over to make a bet. Hi there. If you get $10 on seven to win. I got $10 on four to place. And the four is not ready. Wow, that really throws things into a loop. It really does. Can I change that to five? Thank you. We're really counting on dumb luck as we head outside to watch our horses do what race horses do. Oh, they're off. Okay. Go, go, go. 
I can see Midnight Brew. What? Oh, God damn. Who the f- Standing close to the track, we try to spot our horses. But it's a real mess. Is that Bear Kitty? Come on. Where it's... the fuck is Gwendolyn? Gwendolyn H, you're supposed to, you're, you're a top Gwendolyn's horse. right there. Both your horses are right there. Where? Second and third right now are your horses. Oh, hell yes. Ha ha. Ugh. Yes. Okay. As long as Gwendolyn H shows. People in the crowd are going hard. It's easy to get swept up in the energy and excitement. Brew doing so fucking well. Who the hell is this horse? Oh, shit. Come on, Bear. Oh, no. No, goddammit. In the race's final stretch, Jordan's horse pulls ahead. That's my horse! What? Ah! Oh, no! <laughs> You won. Did I win? I can't tell. Uh, yeah. I the one thing that I do know about racehorses is that racing is literally what these horses are born to do. They're bred from other racehorses for this exact purpose, and then if they're a winner, they sire a bunch of other horses that people will try to turn into more winners. The breeding rights for Justify, the last Triple Crown winner, went for $75 million. The world of horse racing is a world of dynasties. If you're sired from some famous horse-like secretariat, you're going to be worth a hell of a lot more money. And honestly, that fact about horse racing, it actually has a lot in common with Canada itself. This, too, is a country where the folks at the top are often there because, well, they were born into it. And I know what you're thinking. Arshi, are you really comparing Canada's rich and powerful to horses? Why, yes, I am. But seriously, hear me out. Look at politics. I live near downtown Toronto. So what that means is that my PM is a Trudeau, my Premier is a Ford, my Mayor is a Tory, and even my City Councillor is a Leighton. At every single level of government, I'm represented by somebody with a famous last name. Now, politics is often compared to a horse race, but I mean, come on. Or how about the list of the richest Canadians? Sure, there's a handful of tech billionaires there, most of whom live in the U.S., by the way, but the list is absolutely dominated by families who made their fortunes generations ago. Hell, even crime can be a family affair. Just look at the Rizzutos in Quebec or the Wolves in Manitoba. So on this season of Commons, that's what we're going to be talking about. Dynasties. Political, commercial, and criminal. When these families fight, the whole country shakes. And we're going to kick things off with a story that, if it was taking place in the U.S., would be dominating the tabloid headlines every day. It involves an eccentric billionaire father, his famous charismatic daughter, a 700-ton fire-breathing bronze statue, and a $500 million legal brawl. Canada's a fair country, right? We're a meritocracy, a place where if you work hard, do things right, you too can end up on top. And that's not totally wrong. We've got our share of rags-to-riches stories. But you know what's even more common? The rich idiot who ends up on top regardless. The scion of some political family taking their daddy's seat in Parliament when they retire. Back in the day, Canada used to be ruled by the family compact. And you know what? Things haven't really changed. The names might be different, but the system is the same. Elite families pass down their wealth and privilege generation after generation, and the rest of us become pawns in their family dramas. I'm Archie Mann, and from Canada Land, this is Commons. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. So we've been making comments for five years now. It's over a hundred episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So, from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. We didn't just go down to the racetracks to bring you a kind of tortured metaphor for our intro. We were there because at the same track, one of Canada's richest men recently made off with a killing. Frank Stronach is a man who knows his horses. And one of them, Holy Helena, won Frank Stronach the Queen's Plate, making it over a million dollars that just this one horse has netted him. Maybe you've heard of Frank Stronach. He's the founder of Magna International, the world's largest auto parts manufacturer and a full-on billionaire. 
The revenues of the Canadian auto parts manufacturing firm Magna International Incorporated have risen from less than $10 million 15 years ago to over a thousand million today. And this morning, I welcome Mr. Stronach. Good morning, Peter. I said a thousand million. That's a billion dollars. Yeah, we are very practical in those things. We just call it a billion. A billion dollars? <laughs> no, it's a lot of money for everybody. Stronach is an honest-to-God rags-to-riches story. He moved here from Austria as a young man, and within a few decades, the company he created was an essential part of the global economy. Here he is on the agenda. When I arrived in Canada in 54, I had a little suitcase, a couple hundred bucks in my, in my pocket, and, uh, and that didn't last very long. Yeah, and uh, a few years later, in 57, I rented a small garage, bought a few old machines on a down payment, and out I went hustling to get some work. Frank Stronach is a very controversial figure, but you can't deny that he's had a pretty successful track record. With Magna coming here, he came to Canada with $200 in his pocket, and he built a billion-dollar more auto business. I'm Robert Fife, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Whether in the auto parts business or many of his other ventures, which we'll get to in a minute, Frank Stronach has always done things his way. His biographer described him as a genius and a buffoon wrapped together. People who worked for him said he was autocratic, liable to hire and fire people on the spot. But even as he controlled his company with an iron fist, Frank appears to have always had succession on the back of his mind. His son Andrew didn't really have an interest in the business world, but then there was his daughter, Belinda. I grew up, uh, I guess, in an immigrant household. My family came to this country with very little money, and a family value was to always uh, appreciate what you have and to give back to the community. From an early age, Frank groomed Belinda for leadership. He praised her publicly, and she accompanied him to events. And though he sent her to a public high school, he also made sure to buy her a Camaro Z28 for her 16th birthday. Belinda was on the board of Magna by 22, a VP before she was 30, and at the age of 35, she became CEO and president of the world's largest auto parts manufacturer. Belinda was a corporate rock star. She was charming, photogenic, a female CEO in a male-dominated world, and she helped Magna International grow even larger and more profitable. But you may have heard of Belinda Stronic for other reasons. There was a brief period in the middle of the 2000s where Belinda Stronic was the most interesting person in Canada. She left her job as CEO of Magna International to run for office, and what came next is a whirlwind. Here's how George Strombolopoulos set her up before a 2006 interview on The Hour. And you know the story, right? Belinda Stronach helped rebuild the Conservative Party, ran for the leadership, lost to Stephen Harper, then jumped to the Liberals, relationship Peter McKay, that whole thing in the papers. Paul Martin made her a cabinet minister, Liberals lost the election, and Stronach on the opposition side, and then, well, this hit the newspapers, and everybody went crazy. Stronach was named the other woman in that divorce application you've heard a lot about, filed by Ty Domi's wife, the same Domi, by the way, who just retired from the Leafs, number 28. Then you had the whole thing involving the affair, allegations, blah, blah, blah. Of course, the allegations are not proven, and Belinda Stronach exists. She insists she did not break up the marriage. After losing the conservative leadership to Stephen Harper, Belinda became a star within the party. Her relationship with Peter McKay was the talk of Ottawa, but all that began to unravel when she crossed the floor to join Paul Martin's liberals without even telling McKay, which led to the single strangest, saddest political segment that's ever aired on TV. The day after, and Peter McKay came to his father's garden looking for comfort and for answers to the question, 
What just happened? I came home to heal and think a little bit, and um, today's a new day, so um, my head's clear. Uh, my heart's a little banged up, but uh, that'll heal. I just didn't see it coming. Um, I spent a lot of time with her and her children over the last number of months, and uh, so it hurts. Did you catch all that? Let's do it again one more time for good measure. Belinda Stronach ran for the conservative leadership, came in second to the future prime minister, started a relationship with one of the most high-profile conservative MPs, switched parties on a dime, leaving both the conservatives and poor, poor Peter McKay heartbroken, took a cabinet post, left politics after her party lost, and then maybe got involved in an affair with a hockey player most famous for brawling in a bunch of weird telephone commercials. Belinda's time in the limelight was short-lived, but she managed to tear through two political parties like a tornado and then just as quickly walked away. You'd think that things would settle down when she returned back to the family business, but alas, that wasn't meant to be. A multi-million dollar family feud over the family business has a father facing off against his daughter in court. Frank Stronach, a Canadian immigrant success story, and his daughter Belinda, a former cabinet minister and member of parliament, are in a legal battle over the family fortune. Frank and Belinda had always appeared to be so close, a father and daughter duo ruling over a multi-billion dollar empire together. So how do they get to the point where they're suing each other for hundreds of millions of dollars? Robert Fife learned pretty quickly how strained the relationship between the two had gotten. He's the only reporter that Frank Stronach has given an interview to through this whole saga. I was approached by Dennis Mills, who was a former liberal MP, and a former executive of Frank Stronach's racetracks to say, look, why don't you sit down with Frank Stronach? He's got to have peace in his family. He's got to make an overture to Belinda to try to put this all to bed and to get the family back together. And when I sat down with him, that's not the frame of mind that Mr. Stronach was in. So throughout this interview I had with Mr. Stronach, Mr. Mills kept saying, no, Frank, you can't say that. No, Frank, don't say that. Frank, no. But <laughs> Mr. Stronach is a self-made guy. He speaks his mind, and he wasn't going along with Mr. Mills' view of how this interview should have been conducted. So from my point of view, it was a far more interesting interview than I would have expected. To understand how things got this intense, we have to go back to Belinda's sudden departure from politics. She went back to the family business and took up a spot on Magna's board of directors. And even though he wasn't CEO, Frank Stronach still called the shots at Magna. Though it was a public company, Frank had super-duper special shares that gave him total control of the corporation. And don't worry, all of this is leading us back to those horses in pretty short order. Even while Magna International was turning into a corporate behemoth, Frank Stronach was always trying to start up new businesses with company money. And a lot of these businesses, well, they sound a little bit far-fetched. There was Magna Air, the luxury airline that never was. World of Wonder, an $800 million amusement park outside of Vienna that also never came to be. Frank Stronach started a glossy business magazine, which flopped. An Austrian-themed energy drink, also a flop. He opened a failed disco, launched a restaurant lovingly called Belinda's, isn't that adorable, made investments in the silver market, and tried to revitalize Austria's ailing soccer league. He built a four-wheel drive sports car called Torero, 
that was dead on arrival. There was the electric bike company whose products got rave reviews, but the $4,000 price tag turned out to be too hefty for, well, everyone. And then there was his plan to turn Cape Breton into a tax-free auto parts superpower that some people likened to a colonization scheme. Again, didn't exactly work. But despite all of those failed ventures, Magna International soared. The argument would be that, from his point of view, is that, look, shareholders have done very well by him over the years. And some of the little businesses that didn't do very well, he had a restaurant and a magazine and a frank drink of some kind. Really, in the scheme of things, when you're a multi-billionaire, is not that much money. And then there's Frank's most epic project of all. He called it Pegasus and Dragon. A giant statue of a massive Pegasus stomping on the face of a dragon. It stands at over 100 feet tall. It weighs 715 tons, and it's coated entirely in bronze. At night, it's the centerpiece of a spectacular light and water show that brings in the crowds, and that's what you're hearing right now. Over 70 sculptors helped design it. To build it took over 500 German workers who then shipped 4,750 pieces of steel and 1,250 pieces of bronze to Florida. Its inner frame is held together by 18,000 bolts, each as thick as a sledgehammer. In terms of size, it's eclipsed by only the Statue of Liberty itself. In his book, The Question of All Questions, Frank asks... Who among us, young or old, doesn't admire the grace and power of the horse? Who isn't fascinated by dragons? And who doesn't long for the triumph of good over evil? The statue was initially supposed to cost $6 million to build, but the project came out to a total of $55 million. And did I mention that the dragon breeds actual fire? As you might be able to guess from a man who would build a giant statue of a winged horse beating up a dragon, Frank Stronach has had a lifelong love of horses. He owned a number of racetracks throughout North America and also got involved in the breeding and training and all of that. He decided he would branch out into racetracks because he loved horses and racetrack business. And for the longest period of time, that looked like that was not going to be a very successful business. And it has turned out to be an extremely profitable business for the Stronach family. By the 2000s, the Stronachs had the biggest collection of thoroughbred racetracks in North America. Though Belinda didn't share Frank's devotion to those noble steeds, she turned out to have a knack for the horse game. She became the face of the racetracks, giving the sport some much-needed glamour. She convinced celebrities to show up to the races, everyone from Neo to Bobby Flay to Post Malone. And then in 2010, the Stronachs did something that shocked the business world. They sold off all of their voting rights in Magna International, the auto parts behemoth Frank had built from scratch. In exchange, they got around $1.7 billion, as well as a number of the businesses that had nothing to do with auto parts. They called this new collection of businesses the Stronach Group, and chief among their assets were all of those racetracks, which were now extremely lucrative. And Frank Stronach continued to hold total control. That same year, though, Frank found another passion project that he thought could replicate the success of their horse racing businesses. Organic, grass-fed beef. 
So his view is that there is a real demand in amongst Americans and Canadians for beef that's grass-fed. And he wanted to take it from the farm and then go to into organic restaurants and, you know, the whole cycle from, you know, from building the beef to the slaughterhouses to the restaurants where people would be wanting to eat grass-fed beef. He invested a whole lot of cash into beef. Adena Farms, as it was called, cost around $300 million to develop. And Adena began to lose a whole lot of money. But even as he was in the middle of trying to create this entirely new business, Frank, once again, changed course. He built one of the world's largest auto parts manufacturers, and now he's turning his attention to a new pursuit, Austrian politics. Just like his daughter Belinda a decade earlier, Frank Stronach left the business to pursue a political career. Like a lot of rich people who've made it in business, Frank Stronach has a steadfast belief that he has all the answers to the world's problems. The more you look into him, the more you get the impression that this guy believes he should rule as a sort of philosopher king. His book, The Question of All Questions, tries to lay out a plan to essentially save the world. The Question of All Questions outlines the steps to creating an ideal world, one that allows every individual the opportunity to pursue his or her own road to happiness. Share in author Frank Stronach's inspirational vision of a better world. Frank launched an entirely new political party in his homeland called, appropriately enough, Team Stronach for Austria. It was a hard-line, far-right economic party advocating leaving the euro and introducing a flat tax. Here he is on the agenda talking about his economic program. One of my great concerns is that we have more and more people taking out of the system and less and less people putting into the system. That means we have less and less taxpayers and more and more people which live on, uh, on government handouts, right? He got endorsements from people like Larry King and even Bill Clinton. Frank spent lavishly on campaigning. Five sitting MPs immediately joined up and the party was polling at around 10%. But he was simply too weird for mainstream politics. Stronach talked about the dangers of China invading Austria and wanted to institute the death penalty for hired hitmen. After less than two years, the shine was off. Just like Belinda, Frank Stronach briefly turned the politics of a whole country upside down, and he just as quickly decided to call it quits. He vowed to return to Canada and focus on his business, but Frank had a problem. And this is the part where you're going to hear two different stories, both of which are laid out in lengthy legal dossiers. One is Belinda's version, the other is Frank's. Here's how Belinda tells it. When Frank ran for office in Austria, he gave up control over his businesses to Belinda. And when he returned, Belinda was still in charge. But out of respect for her father, she allowed him to pursue his organic beef business under the company umbrella. But Frank quickly returned to old habits. The beef business was bleeding money, and Belinda says she was trying to run the Stronach Group as best as she could, but her father's exploits led to a severe cash crunch in the company. She tried to get him to curb his spending. She gave him a $40 million loan for the beef business with the understanding that there would be no more money afterwards. But he quickly went overboard, so Belinda had to take over Adina Farms, otherwise the family fortune would be squandered. Frank became hostile and threatening and tried to wrest control of the company once again. And when he was unsuccessful, he sued her for $500 million. But then there's Frank's story. 
he claims that it was always the understanding that when he came back from politics, he would again be in charge of the business that he founded. And he says that Belinda actually led him to believe that he was in fact still in charge for years while she operated things from behind the scenes. In 2016, Belinda told him about the cash crunch, which he claims is the first time he ever heard about it. And he also claims that Belinda was completely mismanaging the business to fund her lavish lifestyle. He accuses her of showing up late or skipping important meetings, spending company money on parties, giving high-paying corporate jobs to her friends, billing limo rides and vacations to the corporate coffers. And so he feels really, really betrayed by her, and he believes that she really isn't the person who knows how to make money out of, out of businesses, and he thinks he has, still has the golden touch. So you can actually see from his point of view that he does feel his daughter betrayed him because he built her up, entrusted her with his businesses, and then she decided she was going to cut him out of it because he had given up basically his ownership or management ownership of the businesses. And Frank Stronach sincerely believes that the organic grass-fed beef business would soon be a moneymaker. On that point, Bob Fife at least thinks he may have been onto something. I don't know about you, but I only buy organic beef now, grass-fed beef. I don't want to eat meat that's in these factory farms. And I pay a premium price for that, but I'm happy to do so. It's not just Frank suing Belinda and Belinda suing Frank. Belinda's brother Andrew, her niece Selena, have also filed suits against her, and so has her mother. Whether Frank is right or Belinda is right or both of them are wrong, this is a family in tatters. She was the apple of his eye. He loved her, and he promoted her, and he built her up and wanted her to run his companies, and he feels like, wow, like, look what she did to me. No allegation from either side has been proven in court, and right now, more than 50 corporate lawyers are working on the various lawsuits. As Leah McLaren points out in her recent Toronto Life feature on the Stronics, quote, Factor in the Stronach Group's in-house counsel, private lawyers, PR representatives, reputation management firms, mediators, consultants, and other professionals, and you have the population of a small town. Helping the Stronachs diminish and destroy each other is big business these days on Bay Street, unquote. The Stronics aren't the only wealthy family who have been cleaved apart by the desire for control and have resorted to ruining each other in the courts. It happened to the McCains, the Bromfins, the Reichmans, the Thompsons, the Aspers, so many others. By trying to build dynasties, these families seem doomed to engage in a cycle of recrimination and rage that has repeated itself over and over and over again. Sometimes owners believe their children can be as successful as the founders. And in fact, that's not always the case. And that what the families need to think about is having professional managers in and yes, the children can sit on the board and collect their coupons, but they really shouldn't be put in charge of trying to run a company. But what's worrying is how much control these dynasties have in this country. The country is run by a very small corporate elite and they're hired guns and they control a lot of the country's wealth, which is not unlike the United States, just that it's much bigger and more diffuse. On this season of Commons, we'll be bringing you more stories of these dynasties, about how they build each other up and tear each other apart. 
and about how so much of our country is built around their ambitions. That's your episode of Commons for the week. This episode relied on reporting done by Leah McLaren, Robert Fife, Barbara Schechter, Jeff Zakodny, and many others. We've got so many more fascinating stories coming up for you this season, so stay tuned and, you know, maybe tell a friend. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at Canadaland Commons, that's C-M-N-S. You can also email me, Arshi at CanadaLandShow.com. This episode was produced by myself and Jordan Cornish. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton, and our music is by Nathan Burley. If you like what we do, please help us make this show. You can support us and get ad-free podcasts by going to patreon.com slash Canada. Land.